this is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never. My best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform that night. Gosh, man, that was, was a moment that changed my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. The journey to a better you starts right now. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Better Than Yesterday. I'm your host, Angelo Kelly. On today's show, I'm joined by 102 kilo weightlifter Ryan Sester, who is going to be competing on the Rogue stage at the Arnold coming up in a few days from now. So this one was a super interesting conversation for me to have. I am a big fan of high-level weightlifting. I love watching it. I love following people on Instagram. But what I'm a bigger fan of is people. I love to hear why they think about things a certain way. I love to hear the things that we don't get to see from Instagram or watching six lifts out on the platform. And I think Ryan did a great job on this one of just sharing the highs and also the really lows of elite level Olympic weightlifting. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. So I was going through um, USAW. I, I always look at everybody's like previous competition history and I saw that you competed early in 2015 and 16 and then you didn't compete till 2020 so what were you doing in between that time so i had actually um out of high school i was i started crossfit um in my on my sophomore in my sophomore year for for like cardio and just like you know cross training like that's that was kind of the turn back then like 2000 this would have been like 2012 2013 and it was like cross training, like you're making, you're being a better all around athlete. So I was like, yeah, that's, I mean, I want to be a beast. So I just went to the 5:30 AM class before school with my mom. And I think my sister came too. And, uh, you know, I think they eventually kind of didn't like going in the morning. So they started doing their own thing, but I kept doing that. I think all the way through high school. And then I, I love that Olympic weightlifting aspect. Um, like in CrossFit, I, at the gym I was at, they didn't really have good fundamental teaching and coaching of it uh, to a certain extent. So they said, you need to go somewhere else for that. So I found a gym, um, CrossFit Dragonfire, and um, met my good friend Steve and, um, you know, Michelle and Hung, the owners there, they had a club, which was called Cross, or is called Dragonfire Weightlifting, as well as the CrossFit gym. And so... Um, when I first went in, they, they started us on some programming, weightlifting programming. And, um, the intention was it of, of it was to build your, build your strength, build your, you know, build your number and then go and compete. So you can like, you know, kind of put it to the test. And I, I had no idea how weightlifting functioned. I didn't even know the sport at all. I, I just thought it was like, this is like, you know, like a club sport, cool. Like just show up at this like platform in a singlet. Like I did wrestling, cool. I've done this before. Um, and I was like snatching in like my CrossFit shoes. Um, and so that was kind of like the 2015, 2016 thing was like, just go, I didn't even know you had to have straight arms. They just said like, hold it up above your head really tight. Like <laughs> that was the extent of it. So like, um, I don't know how I got away with a lot of stuff back then. Uh, like my jerks were just awful. Um, and they were awful probably to like 
probably like 2016, 2017. I mean, I was, my max jerk was like 335. Like, you know, that's not, that's like 150 kilos, I think. Um, and then I went, I, I went into competitive CrossFit at that point. Cause I, I, my biggest lacking point was my, my Olympic lifts. Um, even though I had a big strength base from football, like squat, deadlift, bench, all that stuff, you had to be able to apply it and then be able to do it in workouts under duress and fatigue. And so once I got that, I was like, all right, let's see what we can do. And so I wanted to go to the CrossFit games. I wanted to go to regionals. Um, and back in 2017, um, that was, I think, my best year of CrossFit. I like for the Northwest region in the, in the CrossFit open, I, I was scoring like top 10, top 20 in workouts. Um, and you just have to be top 10, I think, or top 20 going into the, you know, past the last week and the overall standings, overall workouts. And then the last week got me, it was like, I was repeating workouts like three times. Like my central nervous system was like a dumpster fire. I didn't understand anything about recovery. I was like 19 years old. And um, the last work I was thrusters and, and double unders. And it just, it fried me. I got like 90th place in the region. And it bumped me down to like 29th, 30th place. Um, and then shortly after, I think 2018, I got injured with a, a slap tear in my shoulder. Um, so I had to get surgery and then it kind of took me out of stuff. And that was the first time I've been inactive in sport for probably, oh, probably like eight, nine years. Um, and so I was like, it kind of like pulls your perspective back a lot. Cause you're not doing what you've always done every day. I was like, what do I enjoy doing? Cross, it takes a lot of time. Cardio sucks. I like lifting. Let's just kind of focus on that and do a little CrossFit to keep your abs. <laughs> and that was my perspective. You know what I mean? Like just show up, try to get strong and stay fit. And that was my goal going into 2019, 2020. And then um, I decided to train for a local meet. I didn't have a coach. Um, I just kind of did my own thing. And my numbers at the time I got up to that at the beginning of 2020 was 143 and uh, 170 and they were like they were good lifts like they were um there's definitely a lot of technique that could improve this the speed of it and stuff but they were like pretty solid lifts and i had to go do it in a competition and i didn't know how to run numbers and then that's where i met my first coach joe and uh we um i think i did like 137 and 160 or 165 there or something and then he's like yeah with a lot of you know weightlifting specific programming with a coach's guidance where you're not like just maxing out and doing emoms and crap like there's a lot of potential um so shout out to joe because within a year we accomplished a lot um i went up to i got up to a 162 snatch and a 205 clean and jerk um and the extent of us working together, um, we went, won nationals, um, went to Pan Ams, qualified, was on the world team, um, ended up not going because of the initial Omicron outbreak and the potential to get stuck in Turkey during Christmas for two weeks. And 
sorry, but weightlifting is not that important to me to, to miss that. And, you know, it wasn't an Olympic qualifier. So, um, but I did AO finals and then, uh, yeah. So now here we are this next year, we're going into Arnold's and, um, maybe I'm hoping to hit the, hit the, the mid three sixties on a total. And, um, then I get a, a little bit of R and R until Pan Am's in late July. Yeah. So it's been, I mean, it's fast. And I, I think you see a lot of people, especially in weightlifting, a sport that's so demanding on the body. You see a lot of people who it seems like they come out of nowhere. You've been training for a long time, but your time in the sport of weightlifting isn't that long, like 2020 to now barely into 2022. It's not that long. So that's crazy. Like, what what do you think, besides just getting a coach and, and really being on a specific program, what have you changed that's made the biggest difference? Um, you know, and I came from CrossFit, so it's very, it's like this, it's just like this, uh, I, don't, I don't really know how to say it. It's like you're stuck in this pattern where you feel like you need to do CrossFit all the time because this is void that you need to fill. And it, it, it's, I've seen it with so many people. It's an infectious cycle where you feel like you need to hit a certain amount of workouts a day in order to be healthy with the amount of food you're eating. And so I think first and foremost, realizing that, you know, my physique is based on my eating, not how much I'm working out. Um, so I started tracking macros uh, with my macro coach, Haley. She's awesome. Um, and, you know, realizing, you know, I can control my recovery by not doing all this extra work. And then for me being spe uh, specific to weightlifting, not doing CrossFit that much at all or at all. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's the truth. I mean, you, you have to recover as much as you, as much as you can, especially if you're looking to be serious and by serious, I mean, making teams and competing internationally, not just, you know, just lifting to show up at a nationals Z session, you know, like, you know, like, I mean, that's for some people, that's the goal, like making nationals there's all, you know, and I don't want to like, you know, I'm not trying to like kick that down at all. It's just, I'm, I'm just speaking in terms of like the elitist. Um, that's kind of how you have to think. Like I want maximal recovery. Um, you have to follow a program um, that is not breaking you down. Um, so there's, there needs to be um, a lot of communication between the coach and athlete, knowing how the athletes doing with the programming. Is it breaking them down or is it, um, you know, are they get, is there, is there fruit coming from it? Are you, you know, are you, is your technique improving? It's very like a lot of people try to talk in circles, but it's very simple. Is your technique improving or is it not? Are you getting stronger or are you not? It's, you know, it, 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 people say, well, you can't really tell within four to six months or like, no, you can tell pretty quick, you know, like, I mean, I just try to use my personal experience to try to like put a lot of these opinions to rest. It's like, I was a CrossFitter lifting in nanos doing 10 K rows and snatching 143 and clean and jerking 170. I stopped doing that. And within actually my, I didn't tell you this, but and no one really knows this, but the online comp online nationals and online American open 
because of COVID happened December of 2020. I actually won the American Open after two or three months of just weightlifting. <laughs> and I got second or third at nationals, I think, um, which is actually hilarious. But I mean, they're online, so I don't really, it's like, I mean, people showed up and I mean, I followed some of the guys around that I saw on the list because, you know, it kind of sucks not being able to lift in person, meet, meet some of the people you're competing against. But um, like you can make results happen that fast. And I can't speak for everybody, but, you know, like strength base, I think is super vital. You know, like people talk, I mean, I don't want to, again, I don't, I'm not trying to blow people's doors down, but like technique should be like a focus primarily to get, get your lifts looking good. And strength needs to be the focus after that. And primarily the focus, because in order to lift heavy weights, you got to squat heavy weights, you got to pull heavy weights and you got to push heavy weights. That's just, you're not, you can't defy gravity by having better technique, you know, and thinking you're going to like put 20 kilos on your total by not upping your squat and making your snatch look better. You know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, that's just my opinion. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, if you look at the elite weightlifter versus the hobbyist. So I'm the hobbyist and I am that person who will, you know, show up to nationals and have the total and it's like, it's fun and I can do jujitsu outside of it. And you are, you are the elite weightlifter where, Hey, you're going to, I'm going to try as hard as I can to not cross that line of too much volume and my body breaking down. And at mm -hmm. some point you're probably going to cross that line. You already have from, oh, yeah. from CrossFit. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. The the hobbyists, we don't have to worry about, you know, if we can pull back at any time. Things don't feel good, you can just you can leave the gym. You can you can stop doing your program that day or that month, that that year basically. And for you, for the elite, it's no, you your foot on the gas all the time until you inevitably cross that line and then you have to throttle back a little bit. But yeah, yeah, man, it's it's interesting and that's why I do like getting the perspective of both because I think the hobbyist is really important for the growth of the sport. And then the elite, we want to see how far that you can possibly take it. Yeah. It's, it's hard because one person can have both perspectives. Usually like you're either like, I am going to be at the point eventually where I will be a hobbyist and it could be very soon. It could be this year. It's all about how as soon as the switch turns off upstairs, it's immediately the other way. It's immediately, I want to do this for enjoyment, but I have other things I want to enjoy. And if I don't feel good, screw this. I'm going to do something else. I want to, you know, have fun with something else in another pursuit. Um, but in order to, the other side of it is like, you have to, you know, you still have to lift on the days where you don't feel great in the elite, in the elite way. I mean, I guess, you know, somewhat for the hobbyist too, because you got to, if you want results, you still got to push through those days too. But um, you're still going to have to do heavy days and do all this stuff when you don't feel great and your joints and your knees and your hips and your back and everything doesn't feel great. Um, I just, like we talked about a little bit earlier is, I think it's important to set a timeline um, because 
the worst thing is like when you're a burnt out athlete and you're obviously putting aside other things and you know, like, you know, you should be doing other things, but you're just kind of like, it's, it's a, it's a hard thing. Cause you don't, you can't really tell what's going on in people's like, I guess minds, um, what their goals are. Um, but you have to, I think at least for me, the only thing I do to speak for myself is I want to set a timeline. I want to medal at, you know, Pan Ams. I want to, you know, it might be like the UFC fighter, like you talked about earlier is as soon as you get that, it's like, man, I want to experience that again. And for me, like, I can't really look past one competition right now because sometimes the pain from training is so inevitably high. You don't want to continue, you know, like you feel like you have to have four Epsom bass, Epsom salt bass a day in order to function. Um, and it's like, do I really enjoy doing this? Like, there's a lot of those days, you know, and I'm, I know it comes in waves, but you know, your, your want has to be bigger than you know, your circumstances um, in those situations. So I think uh, yeah, setting a timeline for these things and then saying, well, you know, am I going to, you have to commit to the next, the next stages, you know, like for worlds or whatever, if, you know, if that's later on um, you kind of have to commit to that next, next thing. And it's not, just a conglomerate of all the stuff that you're just going to go do this and do that. And then the other, you have to take it one at a time. Um, and at least for me, I want to, I, I want to set high standards for these, these competitions because they could be my last, you know, an injury or, you know, maybe a change in life. And it's like, you know, I just want to know, I wanted, I gave it everything for this. I trained hard for this event. Um, and if, even if there's something else that happens after this and weightlifting completely is out of my life, um, which I, you know, I wouldn't say it would be completely out of my life. Cause I, I love it. It'd, be, it'd still be part of it, but, um, I don't know. The two mentalities are very different between those, the hobbyists and the elite, because I can't be a hobbyist right now because I want to be the best at something. I couldn't, st I couldn't stand knowing that someone is beating me in my numbers, at least like, at least in the country or like, you know, and eventually that, that will grow the more confident I get on the international stage. You know, like I want, I want to win gold at Pan Ams. Um, and that, that, that would feel really good. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's the inner dialogue of <laughs> how, how hard do you want to push and for how long? And you definitely see people who do it for too long and usually, you know, five, 10 years down the road, they're still feeling those effects. So it's yeah. like, you, you always want to get out at the right time. Yeah. But, but yeah, man, uh, it's such a tough sport on your body. Like people who don't, who don't do the same repeated movements day in and day out, you don't really understand the, the stress that it puts on until you do, until you mm -hmm. have one of those injuries and it's like, Oh, it sucks. Yeah. It's, oh, I, I, I like go back and forth because I'm a huge fan of weightlifting. I love it. I think it's, um, I think the snatch and the clean and jerk are beautiful. I love watching people do them at a high technique, high speed. Like you, you see some of the top lifters in the world that we were talking about before we got on recording. Like to know that you could potentially look somewhat like that 
is always something that wants you to keep coming back to the lifts. Like maybe Absolutely. maybe my technique can look a little bit like a Chinese lifter or whoever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's something to aspire after. Yeah. Is there anybody in USA weightlifting? So like if you're at the top of your weight class, so say you go into nationals and you know, hey, I have the highest total here. What pushes you to keep going for the heavier numbers? It's kind of like if you're running, if you're running in a CrossFit workout and you're way ahead of everybody else, you're not going to run 100%. You're going to run 90, 95% because you know you're already beating everybody else. So what's what's the mindset like going into a competition where you don't necessarily have to do anything spectacular, but you're still trying to make teams maybe numbers that, I don't get to see that. I don't understand. Like we're just looking at the scoreboard and like, Oh, you're way ahead of everybody else. Yeah. So there's, so like the, the team, the team rankings are basically top 10 for men, top 10 for women, but it's all weight classes. It is basically a percentage that's based off um, um, the placement from, or the, uh, it's a percentage. It's NRS percentage of, the last world's performance. Um, so I, I don't know if they use third place as the kind of like percentage that they go off of. That might be the case. I, you know, I, I, I should probably be well more in tune than I am, but um, all I know is that I need to, you know, be at these certain numbers to hit. And um, when I go to like the Arnold's, which is a national competition, and that's the last one, that's the last qualifier for Pan Am's. Um, Currently, I'm just like on the brink of like kind of being on that on that list. Um, you know, if everything is sat in stone and things went the way they they were gonna go at this competition, and no one went up or down, like no one made made the team or you know went off the team, I would make the team, I believe. Um, but my mentality in that situation is like, I want to be I want to be the highest ranking athlete. So then it went, for, you know, like my my mindset has kind of changed from like being the best in the U S like that's obviously something I would love to defend because, but it's kind of at this point, I, I hate to say this, but it's kind of, it's easy just because of the circumstances. It's easy. I, you know, I would love to, for there to be another one Oh two, maybe there will be here soon. Um, I don't know. I think West might be cutting down to one Oh two. So that'll be pretty awesome. Cause I love, I love having competition that makes me thrive. Um, actually the first nationals I went to, um, in 2021 in, um, Detroit, there was, you know, I was kind of at the numbers where there was still the big opportunity for these other guys to beat me. And I had to put up the number to, to win, you know, every, uh, every lift, every lift I took, I think I went one for three in the snatch and three for three in the cleaning jerk and the cleaning jerks is what wins competitions. And I ended up. Um, I ended up PRing um, my total on on stage and with the clean and jerk, and um, I mean the feeling of that was great because I, I earned every lift while these guys are you know battling it out, and um, that that's obviously awesome. I can't always get that because you know people weight classes change, people move up, people move down, um, people get injured, people retire, people. Um, don't want to weightlift anymore. Um, but you know, I want to be at the, 
highest on that ranking list. You know, I don't, you know, it's because that my focus has to be outside the U S now. It needs to be, you know, Pan Ams it needs to be worlds and thinking that way. Um, which is kind of weird because it all, it all happens very fast. So you're kind of like building, building belief in yourself. You're like, I just, you know, like just the last January, I snatched my first 150 and now, you know, I need to be snatching 165 and yeah, it's, you're having to build up that pretty quick and, you know, get used to heavy weights and treating them like they're lightweights. It's kind of a, it's kind of what, what you got to do. I mean, they're, they're still heavy. They <laughs> sure are heavy, but you know, you just kind of change your perspective on them. Did you have to do anything differently outside of training went like as far as you know reading mental conditioning books or like looking at looking at sports performance you know recovery all that stuff like was there a shift when it's like hey you win nationals and it's like okay this is serious I can I can really take this somewhere did you have kind of like a you know like the light turned on where it's like okay I can really to go further I need to do extra um yes I, you know, I started doing a little bit more body care. Um, it's almost like, it just sounds horrible for my body, but I was like, if I'm not, if things are not paying off, I'm not going to go get massages and get all this stuff done. Like it could be short term, but if, you know, like you said, it's paying off. We need to start moving some of the pieces into this a little bit more. I started, I was like, you know, I'll start doing all this extra stuff, even though, and it will help my performance. Um, like getting massages, PT, um, I, am, I, I go to a, a float shop where you, you know, you sit in, the, um, the tubs and it's, you're basically floating on top of the water cause of the salt saturation. Um, and it's like a, it's a, what is it called? A, a sound deprivation. Um, it's, it's like, there's no, it's like a soundproof room. So there's no outside noise. There's no light unless you want to have the light on inside the, the two that you kind of like the, the deal, the um, tank, but those, all those things contribute to the recovery. And, um, you know, like you have to do that. You absolutely have to do those things if you want to contribute to training and have good training weeks. And um, when you have good training weeks, it builds your confidence. And if you have bad training weeks, it's not going to build your confidence. It's just, you got to try to do everything you can. And so, yeah, pouring some stuff, more stuff into that. Yeah. I can definitely tell like you, you have a very black and white approach to, to training and competition, which is the way I think about. And I know a lot of, a lot of people might not, that doesn't come easy to them to, you kind of want to hear the answer as to like how I how can I become the best but not really work that hard and not sacrifice like that's what the, we min- all the minimalist yeah mm-hmm. that's that's a, that's a that's that mindset I have a huge problem with because it's like it's 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 not it's good for the it's good for like an average Joe like what do I need to qualify for nationals what do I need to qualify for state championship what do I need to you know do to make the A session you know, roughly like 
that's fine. But for the elitist, the mentality should be, what's the most I can do? What, what, what can I, what, how far can I push this? How far can I make that number? Like you have to take strides that are no one else is willing to take in order to have, you know, numbers that no one else can, can have or make. So like, um, you know, for example, like the ranking list, like just doing enough to, you know, I, I, you know, I was, if you're in a situation where you're injured or you just got done competing for an entire year and you just want to do just what you, just what you got to do to make the list. I understand that. But like, if you're healthy and you're, everything's going good, you should be striving for the, for like really good numbers at a competition and not thinking in terms of what do I need to hit? Like it should be in the back of your mind. So you don't, I mean, but if you, if you had like a horrible day, you still should be hitting what you need to, you know, be on that, on that team. Um, I don't know. At this point, it's like, how much can I do? How, how high can I total? And not just what, what do I need to hit? You know what I mean? Like it's that minimalist mindset. I, I don't want, I want to do the most. Cause like I said, what if this is my last competition? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I guess placing that timeline on it, it makes you have a sense of urgency. If, mm-hmm. you, if you started when you were 12 and you were slowly being built up and built up and built up, you might have the luxury of, okay, let's take a year where we do a lot of bodybuilding and the competition lifts just aren't the hypertrophy, there. Yeah. Exactly. But if yeah. you have that timeline on it, it's like, no, I need to do the most to maximize right now. Do you ever, like, what do you think about, I don't want to say like after your career, but do you have a picture of what that looks like? Um, hopefully family, um, you know, like that's a big goal of mine is have a family and get back to others. You know, like, um, I've recently, uh, I, I posted recently on my story to talk to some people about, you know, if anybody was interested in me training them and, uh, you know, a lot of people reached out and so I had to delete the story immediately cause I, I'm not looking to have an entire team. Um, uh, but I brought on a few to work with and I want to just help them out from what I've learned in a short amount of time and um, see them be successful. So that, that kind of mentality, I think that should, if everybody did that, the sport would be so much better because it, you know, it's, it's a selfish sport. And, you know, like, I think that there's a lot that people could contribute from a high level to all levels. Um, you know, not, it doesn't have to be everybody's forte to go give back or something, but like, if you have that, why not help somebody else out, you know? And that's, that's kind of the mentality I have is spending a little bit more time on others because it's a selfish sport. And uh, so hopefully that'll lend to them making progress and seeing some results same way I, I was able to get helped out and see some results. Yeah, I was talking to the Gunnans the other day, Danielle Gunnan, who's one of the top 64s, and we were saying, like, competing is the easiest thing that you can do. You just you lift the weights that your coach tells you to put on. You, like, when you're at the Arnold, you'll be told exactly what time to take the lift, what numbers you're taking, the bar's loaded for you. It's so easy. But, so easy. But there's so many people behind the scenes. If you don't stop and realize hey there's people loading the bar for me there's refs out there there's judges there's people setting up the equipment i think the arnold's gonna have like 1800 competitors so 
they're gonna That's have huge. a lot of work to do yeah it's gonna be a long long week weekend yeah are you competing on the pan am platform yeah so it's um it's on friday i think um 1 p.m um eastern 1 p.m eastern i think yeah i think i think, it's I think columbus yeah. is eastern yeah yep so yeah we'll uh we'll be on the rogue i think it's the rogue stage um and i think men are going first at one and then the women go a few hours after that like three or four um on the same stage so it should be fun it just starts at bar weight and goes up so all weight classes um that are in the you know at the i don't know how many i think it's like 12 athletes that they had selected um from the you know some of the top 10 want to go they, they go a little bit deeper to you know because those are the people that are in the kind of the runnings for the list uh the international ranking list um but it should be fun you know i like uh my buddy nathan from cal strength um chevy will be there um some of the other guys and so it'll be cool to you know it's like going down to cal strength and lifting weights you know so it'll be pretty cool and they're just putting the weight on the bar and going left. It. So it makes it more of a familiar atmosphere and more of a good time in a kind of a critical environment. Um, so, yeah. I noticed from your Instagram that you do a lot of traveling and you're in a bunch of different gyms. I know you have the garage gym and then you're at Cal strength. You're at different gyms all over. So, so why is that? And what, uh, have you noticed like there's a best place to train? Um, Best train, best place to train overall is my garage, <laughs> just because life and, um, you know, it's, it's dependable. I like to be, I'm kind of a homebody actually for how much I travel. I'm a homebody. I like to be on a routine. I like to eat my breakfast. I like to train right after work. Uh, it's usually about two and a half to three hours total, um, in and out and, um, be able to enjoy my evening in the comfort of my home you know it's like uh, i i travel for work uh, mainly um some some for leisure but typically when i'm on the road like for example like idaho i'll be in idaho for work um and so like boise's got a great place uh, across at fireside um ben bristow he's the owner um and you know i started going in there I was, I was in Boise looking for a weightlifting gym when I first kind of got into the competitive realm. So I've just kind of like dropped in these places, met these people, met some other awesome people, these gyms, and they're kind of like normal routes for me for work. And so whenever I'm in town, I just, it's nice to get into, you have to get into a rhythm in order to have success with your programming and get it done. And, uh, so that, that it's awesome to be able to do that. And, you know, I go down to California for work too. go to Cal strength you know, visit friends, weightlift. Uh, it's, it's a great time. Same, same for some other places too, but yeah, it's, it's a good opportunity to be able to be in a different environment. Um, you get amped up too, you know, like I've had some of my greatest training sessions, training, training abroad, um, outside of, you know, Oregon here and, you know, having a lot of fun. Do your coworkers understand weightlifting at all or no? <laughs> uh, Yes and no. Um, all they know is they just say you're insane and like, <laughs> um, they, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the extent of it. I mean, yeah, it's just like, 
they, they'll, they'll want to see all the latest videos and stuff and see how everything go, is going and are amped up for me to compete and some of them watch me live and stuff. So that's, it's pretty cool, but it's, you know, just try to pull it back to home base. Cause at the same time, I'm like there, I'm a, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a career professional, like we're working in a job atmosphere. So like, you know, you just kind of have to act as normal as you can too. Do you have like something that flips the switch at the end of the day, like music wise or like, I mean, how do you go from the office to clean and jerk in 200 kilos? Like, is that, <laughs> is that a transition that happens quickly? You're able to do that right away or like something, a technique that's worked for you? Um, so usually I, I, I am fortunate because when I'm working here, it's usually, I'm usually working office, office job. So, um, it's, I'm not like wearing myself out all day. Like some people have to, you know, like with very physically demanding jobs, um, in the back of my mind, whenever it's like a heavy day, I'm kind of like, even if it's a training day, I'm kind of just going through and visualizing how training's going to go and visualizing clean and jerking what I want to hit for that day and the warm ups leading up to it all while simultaneously working. And, you know, your mind is always kind of going. So like I'm bouncing back between kind of working, you know, just shooting out emails, doing what, what, whatever the task is for the day, but also kind of like cycling back to that, um, you kind of just like you're always thinking about it just in a way it's like you're always always thinking about it and so as soon as i get off work i yeah change the music usually turns to like um in my truck i've got um satellite radio or uh, what is it um series series xm radio and i turn on uh it's usually like i think it's diplo's radio and it's just like it's just like an you know upbeat edm so it kind of gets your blood going a little bit i live five six minutes away from work so you know kind of short short commute and then go to the garage turn the music on get my stuff on grab my pre-workout get some stretching in and then it's just it goes right back to that visualizing and making it making it reality um so yeah i've never really thought about that but yeah just going right from an office job and cleaning drinking 200 kilos <laughs> It happens. <laughs> yeah, I think anybody who anybody who's invested in the sport, like we talked about those people who are just going to go and compete at the Arnold for fun, if you care about something, you're going to be thinking about it. You get nervous. Mm -hmm. You get nervous when you have a heavy clean and jerk on your program. When you see that oh, on yeah. Friday and it's like Tuesday, Wednesday, you're thinking about like, oh, I hope everything goes well. I hope my warm-ups go good. And then Friday, you're nervous. So I think I think a lot of people can relate to that, but yeah, it's how far do you want to take that? And then do you ever feel like you have, I mean, at any time you can just be like, that's it. This isn't worth it. Like I, I have my job. Some people don't have that luxury. People who are competing full time, it's like, hey, to figure out how I'm going to make an income and not have any sponsors anymore. Do you feel like that? the backup plan essentially is good for you to have? So I, I've had this conversation with actually some, some athletes that compete as well. And um, it's a very fortunate situation I'm in. And they said they wouldn't change a thing. 
um, about what I've got going on. Cause it's just, it's one of those situations you can't really, a lot of people won't be able to make happen because it's, I'm in a good, good position career wise. I have a good schedule to be able to train every day and go and have the luxury of being able to take off time and go compete. And, um, I travel for work. So I still be able to have some, meet, you know, meet, meet people and make connections. Um, but yeah, I could at any time just hang the boots up, have fun in my garage, like do some other sports and things that are things that f would fulfill my time and um, wouldn't bat an eye. Like, I guess uh, it's, I think the other part of it is while we're on the topic of sponsors, I would love to shout out um, my, uh, my fit foods. Uh, they're my, my food sponsor and uh, they're in uh, Colorado um, Texas and Oregon and they're awesome. They deliver right to your house every day or not every day, but every week. Um, and it's fresh prepared meals every day. And it's just been a, it's, it's such a game changer if you're counting macros um, and you're trying to have like good quality food. It's, it's just, un, it's unbeatable. You know, it's not like a freeze dried meal that you stick in your garage and you're like, you throw in a microwave and you're like just unbearably <laughs> trying to shovel it down. Like yeah, yeah. it's, it's like really good food. And I enjoy it every day when I'm, you know, lunch, breakfast, dinner, it's, it's such a game changer, but yeah, sorry to go off topic there. <laughs> no, no, I think that's good. Yeah. It's like, you can see it as a positive or a negative, like, like always having the backup in your mind. Oh, I can walk away. But also like, you almost have no pressure on you to see how far that you can go. You don't, you don't need to go anywhere. Like you, you're support. You're able to support yourself with your job. And then it's like everything else on top is kind of a bonus. Yeah. But I, I almost have to have, I can't get caught in that mentality too often because I still want to like, I have to think of in terms of like the goals for the specific thing. Like I have specific goals for work. I have specific goals for weightlifting. And like, I guess when you're in like a, when you're kind of like a self-defeating mood, you can always just say, well, well, like I could just quit that and I have this and this is great. But like, I also know, like, I need to be very serious about like, if I'm doing this, I need to be serious about it. I want to like, I have these goals to goals and weightlifting to hit and I need to be working hard for those, but it does like we had talked about earlier, the balance is tremendous. Um, and I see this a lot with some of the athletes that are full-time. I'm, you know, it's, it's a hard recipe to, to, for that to be a long-term thing because you're all into one thing. So all of your emotions are derived from that one thing. So when that one thing is not going right, you have nothing to fall back on. You don't have a job. You don't have these other things that, you know, like even like the, the hobbyist has a job like yourself, you have a job or you, 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 you have things that are going on. You have your, your career that you're focusing on. You have hobbies, other things that you could enjoy that kind of, help you keep, keep balanced throughout your day. Whereas in someone that's like full-time training, if they're having a bad day, that's a pretty bad day. 
because you're not going to work, you're not making money. Um, you know, like it's, that's the reality of it. So you, you better strap your pants on and set your goals and work really hard and get it done. You know what I mean? That's, that's at least my mentality. If I was to go full time, I would, it would, it would be a, well, first off, that'd be really stupid for me to go full time because I, I, my, I love my career so much and it's a fortunate, fortunate um, spot. Um, but if I was to go full time for weightlifting, um, I don't think I could do it actually. I mean, to be clear though, I'm not saying that you should be comfortable and always yeah. not you specifically, <laughs> like for the listener, you need to be throwing yourself into stuff that's uncomfortable. Like if it's not weightlifting, you need to be doing CrossFit or doing a martial art or doing doing something physical that really challenges you. Like uh, I read this book a while back called The Comfort Crisis by this guy Michael Easter, and I mean we're designed for comfort. We, everything that we do, we want to be comfortable. And I'm an I'm a very naturally lazy person, where I mean after work. It's nice to sit on the couch and watch Netflix. It's nice to, you know, have hot meal, like good steak and whatever, eat a lot of calories. Like that feels good. And we're designed to do that because for basically every time in human history, we've had predators chasing us. We had, we weren't sure where the next meal was going to come from. And now we have all these things. So the easiest thing is to be comfortable. But yeah, whether you're, world-class weightlifter or you're just somebody who has a full-time job and you need to do something outside like you got to be chasing uncomfortability it just doesn't yeah. have to be you know two movements to snatch and clean and jerk just beating the shit out of your body <laughs> for yeah for three three four hours a day exactly well so you got the arnold coming up in two weeks um is it two? Yeah, I guess it'll be two weeks now. So are you like in a taper phase or a week out? Does that look like you're still going heavy? Like what, what is that preparation kind of look like? Yeah. So like, um, this, this lot yesterday, um, was like my last, last max out to like the hundred percent ish, you know? Um, and it was a good day. It's just a 61, 201. Um, and then next week will just be, it'll still be heavy, but you know, you're not pushing, you're not pushing hundred percent. You're just a little, you're just kind of like cutting it down a little bit. And then, um, it's kind of a taper into the end of the week. And then it's a full taper the next week, which is I'll compete on a Friday. So, um, I'll probably get in there midweek to Columbus and, uh, you know, get adjusted, get some good sleep, um, take an Epsom salt bath if I can, if the hotel has a bath. Cause dude, my last coach got me on hooked on these baths. Like if for anybody out there, try doing an Epsom salt bath like once or twice a week and just see how, just see how it affects your hobby activity, training, whatever. It's, it's amazing. What about the float tank? Do you do you do that? That's those two. Do you do that yeah. specifically for recovery, or do you do that for just like I heard? There's a lot of good like mental effects of you know just being present. You don't have your phone on you, like it's a it's just a good way to kind of turn your brain off for a little bit. So it does have a lot of good. Um, it does have a lot of good things with the mental part of it because 
it's I forgot the terminology they use with advertising float tanks, but yes, I think it's just sound deprivation. Like it's basically put, putting yourself like it feels like if you close your eyes or even if you open your eyes, if the lights are off in there, it's like you're floating in outer space and there's no sound, which is how outer space would be. It's like, and the nice thing about these float tanks is it's you're floating on the water. So like naturally you're always going to have some sort of muscle that's active. Like you're laying in bed, you're going to be kind of like turned over one side, you're on your hips, your lower back's being stretched out a little bit. This, your all your muscles are completely can be completely relaxed because you're it's you're on top of water, like you're resisting gravity. And so like you'll hear all sorts of stuff popping. And um a lot of people don't get this enough, but it's like just thinking without music, without your phone. It's kind of like meditational, like just thinking about everything and just seeing where your mind will go without, you know, being induced by the news or, you know, your phone or work or um, all the other stuff going on. Like it's a 90 minute float. You don't have to go the full 90 minutes, but it's like that time, I feel like your central nervous system just is so recharged. Um, and maybe that's, maybe that I, I don't really, I can't really pinpoint the actual benefit other than the performance side. I've had some of my best days a day or two after I get the float. And um, so I just, I was like, maybe that's just a one-time thing. And then I go back and did it again and I did it again and it, it was awesome. So like, I usually use those really close to competition um, and, you know, the bass work because they're very, because of the, Ease, ease of just being able to go into your own bathtub and do that and not having to drive, drive somewhere, do the thing, come back, you know, cause you run out of time for some things, but um, it's definitely worth, worth trying out. I mean, they're, they're pretty, they're starting to be more uh, uh, popping up all over the place too. Yeah. I would love to do that at some point. I've been doing the sauna. There's a sauna at my gym and uh, I've been going in there for like 30 minutes without my phone and you cut. You look at the the things to the back of you, so you can't see the time unless you actually turn around. And sometimes, first five minutes, I'll turn around and be like, "I had so many different thoughts come up." And then you turn around, and it's like you've been in here for five minutes. It's like <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, yeah. That's a sauna is definitely something that I have on the list to get. I've actually got a back porch out this this door right here in a backyard, and it's got kind of like a there's kind of a cement like patio and I want to put one of those um, actually Costco's got them uh, put a, put one of those saunas out there and then have like a cold plunge right next to it. Um, do you do that? would be pretty cool. Do you do the cold plunge now too? Yeah. So back at um, my family's house, we have a big pool and this time, this time of year it's extremely cold. So I usually just do um, we have, there's a hot tub right next to it too. So I'll just do cold, hot, cold, hot. And that's been pretty awesome. But now that I live over here, got to figure out a different system. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I love. I I mean, I hate it, but even in Pennsylvania, if you take a cold shower in the winter, it's like it's pretty brutal. But there, there is there is nothing like getting fully submerged. I've only done one like actual full on ice bath where it was like up to your neck, just straight ice and. Uh, 
it was so bad. I like yeah. it, I expect it because I'm like, oh, I do cold showers all the time, so this won't be that big a deal. And I, I got in the tub, and your whole body just shuts down. Like, you just don't know what to do. It's crazy. Your, 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 like, your motor function starts, like, getting slower, and you're like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you just have to kind of, like, focus on something. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I just go – I usually go all the way up to, like, neck, like – just partial neck submerge, submerge with everything below just to try to do everything and just try to stay in there for a few minutes. And that usually does the trick. Um, but it's, it can be pretty hard, but surprisingly, like, I, maybe this is bad, but you just get numb and it's kind of like, nice. Like <laughs> maybe that's too cold. Maybe I, that's not good advice, but <laughs> yeah. Consult your doctor. No, but I, I think anything that, that you can do for your body, that's like, pushes you outside of your comfort zone is always going to be a good thing. Obviously to an extent, but like sauna, being in the sauna for 30 minutes doesn't feel that good. But once you get out of it, it feels so good. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, there's so many things that it's said to benefit that I, I, I don't even, I mean, there's so many that can be unnamed, but like, I think just like water retention, um, being able to sweat out water, it just, cause like everybody should be drinking a tons of ton of water a day. And if they're not, it's, you know, everybody's guilty of sometimes not, but it's like, it makes your day so much better, but you know, I like to keep circulating the liquid through. So like, sometimes you have water, you build water retention for some reason, like it all could be based on like, if you travel or you stressed out or whatever, you just have water retention. And so that kind of helps sweat it out. And it just feels good to like keep cycling things, you know, eat every, ever since I started tracking macros, that's just the, the way that I think, um, eat your food, eat enough fiber so you can pass or else you're not going to have an accurate scale weight. It's like, it's very simple, you know, simple, simple things, but, um, yeah, you know, anxiety and stuff that's kind of come up in the last year. And so, um, it said that that helps a lot with that too. So, um, you know, getting that, doing that before bed, so you get better quality sleep. Um, cause sleep is sleep is a PED baby. <laughs> do you cut any weight? Like you mentioned the sauna, do you have to cut for your weight class? Um, I cut a little bit. So like I, I float in between like 102.7 and probably 104.5 on like absolute heaviest. Um, and right now I'm like floating right above 102 before com- the com- competition. So that like, you want to keep as much body weight on like X, ex- like not as much, but you want to keep some body weight on top of your weight class if you can um, prior to the competition and just trust that you're going to be shedding that. If it's like you, you have water weight um, you can adjust your macros a little bit or your intake and you'll be right there, but there's no reason to be under on your weight class. Like you should be at the height of it, um, especially for a bigger athlete. I mean, if you're not filling out your weight class, you're putting yourself at a tremendous disadvantage. Um, but it's nice to not be super fat or super, super over my body weight category. Cause that would just suck. I'm sorry for anybody that has to do that. It's like cutting from like 110 to 102 or something, or, like 
I know like the weight class has changed for the next Olympics. So it's like, it sucked for anybody that has to like go crazy up or crazy low. I mean, and, and that they're not changing like the, like the IWF weight classes, like for going competing at worlds or Pan Ams or any of those events, but like the Olympic class only has those five. So it's usually people just kind of slide into those anyways, just for, just to get used to the class and um, just get their numbers in at that weight too. So, yeah. Well, this has been awesome, man. I, I'm looking forward to the, the Arnold. I think it'll be cool to see a different style of weightlifting where there is no weight classes and just the bar is going to keep getting heavier. I, I, I think for some people, obviously for the lighter weight class, it's a disadvantage, but for the, for the heavier guys, I think it'll just be cool to kind of see the bar keep going up. Oh dude. Yeah, for sure. And absolutely, uh, actually getting a break too. Cause for my one, for the one Oh twos, I, you know, I usually get maybe one break in on my cleaner jerks or two and none on my snatches. So I'm actually going to probably get, I mean, and you can't like count on these things obviously, cause you should be ready for anything in a competition, but it's nice. Like you, you have more, ability to recover when there's other attempts being taken and um that can lend to bigger lifts you know just yeah fact it'll, it. it'll be interesting well where can people yeah. find you on instagram if they want to keep following your journey um just my name underscore my last name so uh ryan underscore sester and uh that's, that's mainly where i post just stories and stuff updates and lifts and i should probably post more about life itself but is this kind of a training vlog to be honest? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks again yeah. for coming on. This was good. Yeah, absolutely. Really hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Ryan Sester. If you did, just make sure to share it out on your Instagram story and tag both of us and let us know that you liked it. That would be absolutely awesome. If you are competing at the Arnold, I hope to see you there. Good luck. Remember to have fun. It's just six lifts. We do them all the time in the gym. It is just a measure of progress, so I hope everyone crushes some meat PRs out on the platform and has a blast while doing it. This weightlifting community is awesome. The more people that I get to talk to, um, I'm just blown away by the high-level weightlifters and also just the average shows like me. So thanks, guys, for tuning in, and I'll talk to you next week.